Welcome to the official DevSlopes podcast, where we talk tech, code, jobs, freelancing, apps, startups, and more. This is the place to be if you want to upgrade your career, start that amazing app idea, learn to code, and take your skills to a whole new level. In this podcast, I interview interesting people in the world of tech, talking about their successes. We had a couple million active users, though. And their failures. Really, really challenging for me at first. I'm Mark Walbeck, your host, and let's talk tech. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Mark Walbeck here with DevSoaps.com. And we've got a brand new segment we're doing regularly all about freelancing. So many of our students are in freelancing. They want to work from home. They want to work from themselves. And they want the rewards and joys that are coming from freelancing. So we are going to talk about this a ton. And we're going to do it with Nathan Savage, who is an expert freelancer. This is what he's been doing for the last years. He's made over $15,000 a month just on Upwork alone. He's mastered the systems. He is now the chief revenue officer for DevSlope. Super excited to have him on board. And we are working with students one-on-one every single day to help them have success as freelancers. He's also the person that works with students before they even come to the program to vet them, to help them make sure that it's right for them uh, and that they can have success in the program and as a freelancer. So welcome, Nathan, here forever. Hello, hello. So I think this is the best we get. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Hello, hello. This is the best we get. So uh, I think one of the best ways for us to kind of start off. So this is a a hello to everybody who doesn't know who I am. So I think one of the best ways to start off with this is maybe doing an intro, you think, or me giving kind of some background Mm -hmm. details on myself. So to give every everybody some background research on why I, 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 me and Mark have partnered up. I come from a small town in West Texas. Now the reason why that's relevant in West Texas, and this is one of the things that makes me so passionate about freelancing outside of going into the oil field or anything along those lines, there's almost no opportunities for anybody to get a job paying more than $60,000. And a little fun fact about myself, I have epilepsy. So the ability for me to go work 80 hours, 110 hours a week is just not possible. So I grew up in a small town where I had 13 kids in my graduating class. One of the biggest things for me, obviously I come from a marketing and sales background and I'm going to be moving in here and trying to learn more and more as I've, I've already got some backgrounds of coding and things along those lines. But one of the things I noticed was freelancing was my ability to break out of the small mold I was being held in my entire life. The concept of making over six figures was never possible. It was never even thought of. My dad wanted me to go work with him at the prison in Lima Vista, <laughs> Texas for the vast majority of my life. Like those were the expectations, right? I remember one vivid story. I was driving through a park when I was at like a junior in high school. And I said, dad, I want to make six figures. or I want to make over a hundred thousand dollars. And he said, yeah, well, that's not possible. So you should, it's about setting those standards low because they don't want you to, to shoot high and end up failing. So Long story short, I got married incredibly young. I was working at a call center. I decided to buy a marketing program for like 2,500 bucks, 1,600 bucks, somewhere in that price range. And at night I was driving for Uber. Between every single Uber ride, I was learning this program. It took me like three months to go through it. And then after that, I spent forever applying for jobs between every Uber ride, trying to build a freelancing business. Over this course, it took me about three months to get my first client. And today what we're gonna talk about in detail is how I got my first 10 clients, what I've learned throughout this entire time, and how you could take these skills and apply them for yourself. Now, one of the most interesting things throughout this time period was, for the first three months, nothing happened. It was a complete waste of time. It was one of the most demoralizing things ever. Now, one of the things that I talk about a ton is the exponential growth curve, 
right? Something that starts off really, really small, picks up some leeway, and then it takes off really fast. That is everybody's freelancing journey. Every single person who will ever have success has gone through that exponential curve of the terrible, terrible, nothing happens and having a massive success. And it's because once you have a game plan or a strategy, that's when you can start having that recurring success. So that's what we're going to cover today. But three months, nothing happened. Then between month three to six, I picked up a couple clients. Fun fact, they only paid me like 15 bucks an hour, <laughs> but I thought it was the coolest thing in the world because I was working at a call center getting paid $10 an hour. I was like, okay, at least I'm doing something better. Over time, I was able to start selling myself, getting retainer work, paying upwards of 2,500 to 3,500 bucks a month. And to be honest, after I hit that first one, it was all history after that. It took me 18 months to build my business from nothing to doing $15,000 a month continuously. And that's what I wanted us to talk about today. Cool. Um, you know, and that's, that's a pretty, uh, a pretty familiar story uh, in a lot with business and such as well. And, and what you learn in the process is you learn the things that work so you can repeat them. And so that's what this is about. And that's what we're going to talk about today is like, what can you do so you don't have to maybe spend that two years like you did, uh, you know, punching the wall to get your first 10 clients. And so let's talk about that here. So a lot of the people or pretty much everyone here is a developer or designer of some kind. They're in the tech world. And I've been there and I, I've worked with these people every day. Uh, and for the, I've worked with you guys every day who's listening here and you want to become freelancers, but you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. How do I keep money coming in? My wife or my you know, husband wants me to have a secure job. Like, how do I keep them happy? Like, where do I even get started? So how do you get your first 10 clients? We're going to talk about that today, specifically in relation to tech. And so um, I'm going to ask you that question, uh, Nathan. So how, as, as a tech person, as a developer or whatever, how do you get your first 10 clients? How does it work? I think that this is, can actually start off in a slightly different manner. And the reason okay. why I'm saying that, I think that this is going to be something Mark will have a lot more impact to have kind of a, a conversation on. But the step number one is where are you mentally? So like it depends on where you are in your career. A lot of, from what I found, a lot of developers or anybody across the lines in tech, you have that imposter syndrome, right? Like, oh, I could do this stuff at work or anything along those lines. And most people are really scared about taking that leap and going out and getting this, their own work. And for a lot of people, they have the skills, um, they just can't get a job. And so one of the best ways for them to kind of move forward with their life is to go the freelancing route. So they build a real world portfolio. But the biggest thing that I think that maybe we start off with Mark is, what, what advice would you have for the people who are out there and they might be interested in getting started with this, but they have the imposter syndrome or they're just like intimidated. Do you have right. anything specifically from your background that like would help those people? Yeah. So you bring up imposter syndrome and it can happen at multiple levels, right? So first is, is the skill level, but let's assume everyone here or people who want to get in freelancing have the skills. You now believe that you yep. can code or whatever your skills are. You now believe you can do that. So let's say the imposter syndrome lies in, can I do this on my own? Can I actually, will someone, a human being actually pay me money to do that? It's not a W2 employee situation. I'm scared out of my mind, you know? And so that that's a real imposter syndrome. And I think honestly, from what I've seen is that's the biggest roadblock for people, even uh, of all the things that related to freelancing, that's the biggest roadblock at all is, is how I can't get a job. And I see, I get emails all the time because I'll put, I post on social media, right. And I'm like, they're like, uh, 
or when I post something about this is how you get a freelance project or this is how you get a client, this is how you get a $5,000 job. And across the boards, people are like, Mark, no, it's just not possible. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. This isn't for it me. It's, a, it's no. a scam. Yeah, you can't do it. It just, you know, you say that, but it's just not possible. And the reality is it's the imposter syndrome. You don't believe that you can do it. And it's a very hard thing to come to, to get over. So my best advice, and this actually is your advice, but my best advice is to do what Nathan did is that get that $15, get that $15 an hour. Okay. Like if, if you have never freelanced before and you're scared out of your mind, you need to get a small win. You need to get a $500 project. And I don't care if you kill yourself to do it. Like you've worked way more, like it went down to a dollar an hour because you work so much. It doesn't matter. You actually need that first win because if you don't get that, it ruins everything. You have to have the first win. You have to have the paid project and it can't be for free. Somebody has to pay you a dollar or something to do something. That's when it becomes real. Uh, that is when it becomes real. So that is my best advice is take the small win as fast as possible. $15 project, five, $500 project, $1,000 project, whatever. That's, that's how you get started. So you're, you're convinced that, oh, I can do it. I think that that makes so much sense. Like you guys are going to hear me talk about a lot of references to grappling because I compete in it. And it's one of the most interesting things is when individuals start training in jujitsu or anything like that, any kind of martial arts for the first time ever, they're super intimidated to actually do something with another person. And just like with this, the only way that you get over these fears is by submitting yourself to them. You have to push yourself in the water. You have to get underwater. You have to get in the dirt. And that's the only way you get used to it. And this is kind of how we can actually make this transition. So one of the things I want to keep people in mind that we're going to cover throughout this is, you know, a lot of people are getting, are scared of being told no, right? Just a heads up. The vast majority of people are being scared, told no, being told that they're not good enough, all of these things, it will happen. And the reality is a lot of those situations, it's not that you're not good enough. It's the fact that you don't know how to say the right things yet. Now, I firmly believe the process for you going out and finding freelance clients and the, what separates you from being successful, all it is, I, I believe this with my heart and soul, all it is, there's nothing uniquely special about me, okay? I might have had things that happened to me throughout my life that positioned me to be better at speaking to people. For example, I'm dyslexic. Um, I was terrible at school. I had to talk my way out of a lot of things. But with that being said, everybody can become a successful freelancer that's making 15 to $20,000 a month. It's a lot easier than what you think. The only way that you get to that point is by listening to what I'm about to say and treating your life as if you are now a machine. So it does not matter how you feel. It does not matter about what time commitment you have. All you're going to do is every single day, you'll take these 10 things and you implement on them. There's nothing else to it. Doesn't matter how you feel. Doesn't matter how much sleep you, sleep you got. Doesn't matter if you need to go eat. Doesn't matter. You treat yourself like a machine and you just do these in order. If you do that, you will have success. Yeah. And so, so it's, it, well, I would say it's like, so when you say this like a machine, that's the, that's the mindset that you also have to get into is hundred percent. You are doing a series of things that will set you up for success. And, and part of that process is the nose is the rejections is the frustration. But if you can look at it, without emotion and if you can say i you know i expect these bad things that happen like to be told no but i also expect this and this you you basically have faith in this thing and and it pays off but the problem is the people don't the people don't ever take the first steps or they don't follow through and so when people tell me hey mark you're talking about freelancing or even let's just say getting a job and they're like you you say go apply for a job and no one's hiring me and i say okay well how many jobs did you apply for well one I'm like, 
well, you've already failed because you stopped at one, <laughs> you know? Yep. So the machine, like, so did you have like a, like a series that you said steps, yep. or are there a series of steps for people to implement? So I have about eight here that I, be, I believe in creating things that are really templatized. So okay. what I mean by that, they're adjustable to your current circumstance and they're not black and white to where you can't adjust if they just don't fit you. But before we move forward, the, the one thing I really need everybody to understand the success to freelancing. Okay. No is the start. It is not the end. Okay. That is the most important thing that you need to understand at the end of the day. If you get a no, it doesn't mean anything on to the next one. So let's go ahead and start off. So the most important thing for you to get started as a freelancer, okay, is opportunities. So what I mean by that is you need to find a way to get as many at bats as possible to give yourself the most chances as possible to find a client. So let's think about where can you go find actual potential prospects, job opportunities, uh, projects, things along those lines. Where can you go find those? So number one, this is my number one recommendation is Upwork. Okay. So Upwork is going to be the single best place for you to find clients and projects on a continuous basis. Now I can guarantee nine out of 10 people who are listening to this, who have ever learned about Upwork are going to be like, Oh, Upwork doesn't work. Yeah, I tried That's it. That's a scam. Yeah, I tried it. And the reality is when you say that I tried it, you were maybe on there for like two hours. You submitted a couple bids. Yeah. You didn't really know what was going on, right? No. You didn't have a system of attack. Imagine trying to do anything without, imagine trying to learn how to become a developer without any game plan whatsoever, without even having Google or YouTube. Like you have no information. You have no idea what you're actually doing. So the goal here is when you go to Upwork, I'm going to give you some ideas on how to actually have success, but that's just number one. Number okay. two, find extremely niche down Facebook groups, LinkedIn groups, or maybe forums, even discord communities, things along those lines. A lot of those will have tons of opportunities. And one of the most kind of important things that I try to emphasize to a lot of people, the easiest way to get your first freelancing gigs is to be, to white label your services. So whether it's, whether it's a web development agency, um, a marketing agency that's looking for people to come in and do web development for them, any of these things, what is really common, it's not the highest paying work. Okay, so keep that in mind. Let's say if you wanna make $45 an hour, there's a chance you might make 25 or 30, but the biggest part is getting projects underneath your belt fast. So when you do white label work, essentially it's gonna be an agency or a business that has too many clients that they can handle. So they say, okay, we're going to have one of our individuals be the main point of contact with the client. Then we're going to hire a freelancer to do all of this work, but we're still going to take credit for it. Basically like the, a subcontractor without the credit. Exactly. Subcontractor. Yeah. So the term that for my come from is white label, just like putting, but yeah, white label or contractor. That is the easiest way to start getting work immediately out the gate. So think about it this way. Those will be your most predictable forms of on ongoing revenue. Once you close one of those projects or two of them, you could have a, like realistically, if you close two or three, you'll have at least three to $5,000 a month coming in for revenue for the most part, usually because they have guaranteed hours. They're handling the process of getting clients. You're just handling the process of delivering the results. Yeah. Right. So that's number one. Number two is the prospect of actually going out and finding these projects for yourself. So now this gets in the process of how do you go out and win projects on Upwork? Okay. So this starts with step number one. How do you write a proposal that stands out? So 
just for complete clarity, they're going to see you. They're going to see several hundred Americans. Then they're going to see a, a ton of Pakistanians or people from Singapore, people overseas who are undercutting. So you're charging $75 an hour and they're charging five or 10, right? How do you compete with that? Okay. The first step is to customize your, your offer to the client. And you really want to make sure that let's say you have past experience. And by the way, this past experience doesn't have to be in developing. Okay. Let's say that this is a client who wants a website developed for a chiropractic business, right? Okay. You could say that you, maybe you have some kind of past experience working with um, some kind of service-based business, right? At the end of the day, you want to do everything you can to speak their language. And if you could say, listen, I have past experience working with service-based businesses. Okay. And tie the relations into you understand the needs that they have. So what I usually recommend for most people make a proposal. Okay. On that proposal, put a video in there. Usually they use a loom video, a screen share video and talk to them. If you can look up their website, find as much information as you can about them and make something super special. So let's say if, if, because I have a background in personal training, and let's say that I saw somebody who wanted to have an app built so they can keep track of their clients. I could come in it, use my past experience and say, Hey, I know that one of the hardest things is having your clients actually stick to their workout routine and actually stick to their diet. So what I want to do whenever we're building this is make sure that we have these somehow built into the design, yada, yada, yada. You could talk into that specifically. You want to do everything you can to relate with them on an extremely personal level, because guess what? Everybody else that are going to be submitting proposals, they're going to be very, very general. And they're going to be very, very bland. If you write something out that's hyper-personalized and it's personal to where if they, for example, say their business name or their personal name, you're using it. You want to do everything you can to make yourself stand out just where your proposal gets read all the way. You know, that's I want to add one. to that specificity um, yeah. because it's really important. There is the notion of, of specifically talking about the job and not being generic. Obviously, that, that's going to get you some points. But... I want to point out what most developers do when they first start freelancing and setting up proposals. Okay. So this is what a WordPress developer will do. They'll, they'll, so someone says, I need a website and you know, first off, most, a lot of these, these clients, they really don't know what they want, but they just post what they, they know their best knowledge. And so say they have a budget of $2,000. They say, I need a website that can take an e-commerce website that can take sales. So a WordPress developer, he applies this, he or she, and this is what he says. I am experienced WordPress developer. I can implement e-commerce, SEO, and they start listing off 10 different things that they are good with. Please kindly consider me. And even if they're specifically like, I understand the needs of your project, you know, I, I understand you want, you know, a e-commerce website. None of that matters. And here's the reason why, because you are, you are selling the means. You're not selling the solution mm. versus a WordPress developer coming in saying, I noticed that you do um, skincare for e-commerce. Uh, I've actually worked with health and beauty professionals. And what I do is a little bit different than other developers. What I do is I help my clients rapidly launch their uh, e-commerce websites with, and I help them increase sales by having abandoned cart systems implemented mm. and having, um, and I also increase your web presence by 10% through specific SEO tools that we use. And all of a sudden, uh, rather than just naming off a, a list of technical things you can do, um, you're actually speaking to the person because at, 
at this point, the only, you're not, the goal is not to close the job. It's just to get the phone call. It's to, it's to take yep. the next step and to stand out. And so most developers, when they apply on Upwork, they list off all their technical skills and no one cares. No one cares yep. about your technical skills. Not at all. <laughs> that is, that is a beautiful point. I actually have to emphasize one thing. Never, ever, ever sound needy. This is actually a point I have. Don't ever say, please consider me. Don't ever hmm. dwindle yourself down to where you're begging for a project. This is so common. And you know, I, I've noticed this more and more. Everybody wants to talk about the random certifications they have yeah. <laughs> that no one knows about. Just no heads up. <laughs> Everybody hiring you, okay, for the most part, people that are hiring you that are not related to your specific field, your chiropractors, your restaurants, yeah. anything wanting web development, your local personal trainer who wants an app, all these people, they don't know anything about your certifications. They don't know anything for the most part about your coding languages, right? So this, this is actually a great point. Sell to the end goal. So a great example, I could talk about this from, so for example, let's say web developers. Let's say that, listen, my specialty, so most people are going to say that we're going to help you create a beautiful website. You know, yeah. I'll help you turn, you know, create a website that's going to look beautiful for yeah. you, that's going to stand out, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. That's not what matters. Imagine if someone submits a proposal saying that or begging for work versus you saying, listen, my specialty is I help design websites that just aren't just pretty. They specialize in converting page visitors. Okay. And you could break that down for them. Say, Hey, listen, if you want to schedule a call with me, what we could do is sit down. I, I'm not going to make a promise that I could actually help you and that I'm the best fit for you, but this is what I can do. If we schedule a call with me, we can go through, we could look at what your numbers are and we could see if I could help turn what you're doing right now into something more profitable. So for example, if I can give you a 20% increase in conversion rates from your page traffic or from your, from your visitors every month, just through having better designs, having better call to actions, better all of these things, you could turn that into actual numbers. And that is one yeah. of the end goals at the end of the day. If you have the ability to tie your services to an ultimate end goal of revenue, you will win every single bidding match. Even if they don't go with you initially, they will come back. I've had so many people leave me whenever they saw a $3,500 retainer. It's like, oh, I'm going to go with the guy who's going to charge 750 bucks. It goes terribly wrong. It's a dumpster fire. Yeah. Then they have to come back to me after they learn. I'm like, cool. You have to learn sometimes. That's going to happen. Yeah, they got to feel that pain uh, oh, in that process. 1,000%. It's going to happen over and over and over again. Like people want to take the shortcuts. I do too. I want to try buying the cheap protein powder every now and then until it destroys me. Then you have to, we have to learn from our mistakes, right? So this kind of leads into the most important part that's next, okay? You want to write and create a proposal that is client-focused, okay? It's tying to the ultimate end goal. When they want an app built, they don't actually want an app built, okay? They want to have a solution that could drive their business more revenue. So keep those things in mind. So you talked about that. Now, the goal here is not to get them to message you back, okay? That's not what matters. The goal here is to do whatever you can to get them on the phone with you. Yep. Do everything possible to get their information. To be honest, I do everything I can to get them immediately off of Upwork. I try to get conversations or communications immediately, either text or by email. Okay. That way, the reality is what a lot of people do, they'll submit a bid on Upwork or something or freelancer.com, anything along those lines, then they completely forget about it. Yep. And they never go back and check it. Yeah. Okay. That's, that, and that happens to me as a, as a person who posts projects. 
I've had that happen. And I want to point one thing out in relation to what you're saying is uh, I, I talk about this sometimes and people in India and Pakistan, uh, they reach out to me and say, Mark, it's just not possible. We can't get on the phone with clients. It's just, you, you talk about that, but it's not possible for us. But I'll tell you what I paid. I paid $5,000 to an India developer like three months ago for a bunch of designs, beautiful designs. The first thing they did was they created a video for me. We got on the phone. We had like four phone calls actually. And you can do it. Like there's no excuse why you cannot 100%. get on the phone. We did it on Zoom. Anybody can do it. So anyway, continue. For anybody that had like, so like one of the biggest worries. So we have a couple students in our programs that are, that are from India, Singapore, things along those lines. One of the biggest worries, a lot of them are subconscious about the fact that you have a heavy accent. You're speaking to most of the times that people that are American or very clean English, it's completely okay. Some of the things you could do at some circumstances, get on a Zoom call, okay? Try to have good lighting and things along those lines. And what they're looking for the most is how do you look trustworthy, okay? It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who your background is or anything. You just need to make it to where they see an actual human on the other end of this. If, you, if they see that, we had a student the other day land a project for $35 an hour in Singapore and they knew he was from Singapore, yep. right? So they know that they could have paid, they could have found somebody else from Singapore for a much lower cost, but they still chose to pay him that, right? That's the goal of selling on value and selling to the end goal. So it's really important here that you're pushing them to schedule a call. That's the single most important thing. Get past all of those fears that you will inevitably have. And guess what? The first three to four, maybe five phone calls you have might be dumpster fires. That is completely okay. That is par for the course. That will happen. I have had so many sales calls go completely wrong because of that. But you have to do that. I want to point so, out one thing too with, with the phone calls. Um, it's, it's important to really make that happen versus what everyone else is doing is they're treating the proposal like the agreement. They're mm. they're developers specifically they send out this agreement and they hope their their proposal is so good that the person will say yes but this mm. is not the yes and no time this is the let's talk let's talk time let's explore yep. time i've captured their interest so every developer it's all about they think the proposal is like the yes or no but but they're doing it the wrong way it, that oh, yes yeah. or no comes later dude i don't this is kind of some fun fun details in terms of the proposals i don't give away total costs in the proposals. I actually set my proposals to stupid high. I think I have mine for $125 an hour. Um, and then to be honest, whenever it comes time for us to talk about costs, I just tell them the monthly retainer. I, they, 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 I think I've, I've only had maybe a couple people ask me, well, how many hours a month is that included? And I blow past it. Like, that's not the point. I'm selling on value. I'm not selling on anything else. And that's kind of the importance of trying to do everything you can to get as much research in as possible. And that's kind of like the purpose of these calls. So let's, let's go ahead and lay this out. The structure of how this should work is write a proposal, sparks intrigue, they schedule a call. Yep. Okay, after they schedule a call, you're gonna have your intro call. This initial call could take anywhere between 15 to 30 minutes. You don't wanna go overboard with it. The goal on the initial call is to do a discovery. So what I mean by that, you want to have, and this is kind of where we can get into more details on this, extreme details on what they are looking for. Do not sell yourself. Do not cover your pricing. Do not do anything related to yourself. You do not matter to them or to themselves. You don't matter. Okay. All that matters right now is that you're going to have a clear understanding of exactly what they want. 
And most people, this is really important, most people during this process will start selling themselves from date, from second one on the call. You should work with me because of this is this. Yeah. And instead of doing that, and Mark, you might, maybe you have some solid questions here that you can give some, some guidance on, but you want to start asking unique questions. Why do you want to rebuild your website? Why do you want to build an iOS app? What's the benefit of this? Have you thought about how you're going to get traffic there? Like what are yeah. maybe some questions they should be asking kind of on these initial calls, do you think? Yeah. So I, I will say that prior to this proposal, you have probably already picked out your niche, your, your focus, right? So this person that you're applying to this project should be relevant to what you're already focused on. So you'll have a really good idea of what you're offering. You, you kind of have to define that offer before. I just want to point that out. You can talk about that later, but uh, you're, so you're on this call. And so if I am, let's say I'm a web developer, just, I build, I build e-commerce websites. I don't talk about WordPress, things like that. That's what I do. I build high converting e-commerce websites for small business. I like working with small business owners. And what I know is small business owners can pay between five and $10,000. Like I know that's my sweet spot. That's where I want to be. So when I have applied, of course it's in my niche. I'm not applying for something that's junk. And the project probably said, I need a WordPress uh, WooCommerce website. And they put $2,000 in there. Of course, my fee is like 5,000, but it doesn't matter. I know it's a small business. I reach out to them and just now going into what you're saying, I need to know what they're all about. So I can first off, see if it's a good fit for either of us. And secondly, so they can see the value. They, they can feel like they're going to get value from me. So the questions I would ask is, okay, why, just like you asked, why do you need a website? Or why do you need an e-commerce website? Well, we're, we're launching a product or we have an existing product with, you know, a million users or whatever, like those give you some really important information. Okay. When are you hoping to have it launched? Well, we're not sure we could use some guidance on like a launch plan. We're not good with, with sales funnels and things like that. And then in your mind, you're like, okay, there's some, I offer, I do sales funnels actually as a monthly retainer. I can help you out with that later on, but I don't talk about that yet. And so you, so the goal, it's hard to put specific questions, but the goal is to ask questions that tell about the business and about their needs. Because for instance, they may say, so then I ask, well, is there a reason why you picked WordPress versus any other technologies? That's what we're looking for. Well, there, well, I don't know. Um, my friend has a business and they choose, and they chose WordPress. Um, okay. So the reason the way they picked that and posted that is completely bogus. They have no idea. They're inexperienced. And that I tells want to me stop this here for one second, yeah, go ahead. real quickly. Uh, you have some mass advantages. So I want to, I want to consider this people in the marketing world, like myself are almost like the jocks. Okay. They aren't really, it's not that they aren't, they are not technically savvy. Okay. So it's really common for them to get WordPress websites, Shopify sites, whatever it is, and to add a ton of unnecessary stuff to it that slows it down significantly. So one of the things that you guys, this is kind of where you can start using your, you want to ask questions that can lead to you teaching them something. Hey, you know, I understand that your site's built on WordPress. That's great. But I actually Googled your, so Google has a feature where you can, you can look up a website's load speed and things Check along those speed, lines. Yeah. Yeah. So you pull that up and you're like, Hey, just a heads up. Google is saying that your, your website loads incredibly slow. And even though that you may not think that's a big deal, uh, do you spend any money on advertising? Oh, well, you know, we spend two or $3,000 a month on advertising. Well, here's a little known fact you may not know. If your website, number one has very low, 
has really bad load speeds, your CPM, your ad costs will raise. So just by okay. cutting your load speed, you could cut your ad costs. That's an immediate cut in costs. So your three thousand to five thousand dollars will go a much further yeah. already by having those adjustments. And notice how you didn't say, "I focus on page load speed and SEO," like right? Yeah, exactly. Completely, completely different exactly. approach. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's like it's not about you; it's about them. So you're asking these things. Hey, uh, is your site mobile friendly? Oh well, I really don't know. Well, let's look at that. Let's let's check this out. Do whatever test you can. Open it up on your phone. Look at it. Like, hey, it turns out your fault, your site, your site does not look good on mobile. And seventy percent of all purchases happen on mobile. You know, it's there's another exactly moment. So we're just having this conversation to where, hey, you know, is this? Do you have this? They're like, oh, I don't know. Okay, let's talk about that. So you're you're tying all of these things into what? Wow. So let's clarify here. Your site is really slow. Number two, you have a terrible. Uh, your site is not responsive. Number two, don't say terrible. Three, uh, yeah, your site is unresponsive. We'll just, we'll be nice here. So you're going to notice, guys, you're going to notice I, I typically can be a very polarizing person. So as we get closer and closer together, um, <laughs> absolutely not. Um, so all of these things, you want to find these unique teaching points that tie into sales because the small business owners, that's all they care about. They yeah. don't want to be talking coding languages. They don't want to be talking anything else. What you can say is, Hey, if we take your website, move it off of WordPress, Wix, Squarespace, whatever site it is, and we move it into something that's custom created, I have more abilities to create what you want and what you need and to provide something that will maximize your site's ability to convert visitors into leads and ultimately get you more uh, customers, leads, patients, yeah. all of those things every single month, month over month. So that's kind of the end goal. And then after you do that, say, listen, what I want to do now is I want to take some time to digest this, do some research into what competitors are doing, okay, and get a clear idea of what you really need. So I need about a day to kind of strategize this. So how does how we schedule a call tomorrow at the same time? You usually want to schedule a second call where you can go into kind yeah. of much more detail and cover everything, right? And so keep in mind, you're, you're, con you're controlling all this. Like, you notice how, 100%. You, you know, there is nowhere in there where like, they took control because you're the one offering the service, right? So I like how you, you, you get an understanding for the business and you say, this is what I'd like to do. Let's set up a call. Let's go over this. And you are guiding the entire process. Yep. Not, this is so important, not the other person you are like, you're guiding the whole process. But it, it's still, so there's, this is where things get really interesting. And I think that over the next several months, we'll be, be able to cover this more in detail. The goal is to stay in charge of the conversation without making it seem like you're dominating yeah. them. The last thing you want to do is dominate somebody and come off as a know-it-all. Last thing you want to do. You're here as someone to help them. You are helping them. This is not about you whatsoever. And by taking charge, you're simply trying to do everything you can to help them. Hey, I actually need a day to really digest everything you just said. So I can guarantee that I can help you, number one. And that number two, I can come, by, come back with price, uh, price projections on everything and give you some options, right? So when, this kind of comes into the part of customizing your offer. When you come to them, try to have a handful of offers available, right? Yeah. Try to have two or three quote unquote packages available for them. And this is kind of where we can start getting into the kind of the finalizing part. On this third call, on, the, or on this second call, 
you want to paint a picture of what it's going to be like working with you, but really tie it into themselves. You know, what is your communication going to be like? And what is your strategy moving forward to help them accomplish their goal? Right. It's all about them. Yep. Now, as we move into the last 15 to 20 minutes of the sales call, this is where we start getting into the pricing, right? So when we get into the pricing, it's extremely important. Your tonality does not change, right? And it, even as we move into pricing, we could say- What you're talking. saying is don't stutter when you're talking yes. about price. <laughs> so let, let's say we're going to go into this way. Let's say, so my mom is a chiropractor, so we'll go break it this way. So we just got done breaking down for the past 30 minutes exactly what you need in a website. So some of the things that we discussed is that you need a website that will load much faster. That way you can maximize your advertising budget. Number two, you need a site that will work well on mobile. We know that you get 2000 people a month coming to your site and a lot of them can't see what's happening on your website. So now that we have an understanding of what we're going to fix, let's go ahead and cover some pricing options. So package number one, will be $2,500. Now this will give us a baseline to really fix all of these things more importantly than anything else. So we're just going to fix these problems. Now package number two is going to be 5,000. For this package, what we're going to do is take what you have and really focus on enhancing this and then turning around and turning these visitors into more leads. So it's not just a bandaid like package number one would be or package number one, it gets an improvement which is important at the end of the day, you fix the initial problem. But number two, we will improve on that. And so the first thing you want to do when you start mentioning pricing, you see how I stayed, I have a bad habit of when I talk, I ramble on and a lot of my words get squished together. It's almost like a mumbling. When you get to this part, be very clear, be direct and be confident. Yeah. So that means go home, look in the mirror, practice talking like this. Now you don't want to make it sound like uptalk. If you don't know what uptalk is, Google it. Um, it can be extremely condescending for people. If they take it as uptalk, just Google it. You'll be able to hear people talking in it. But the goal here is to give them a clear option. Now, after you have your pricing, the worst thing you could do is to start offering discounts out the gate or start lowering yourself immediately just because, right? So after you give pricing, Say, so let's say I'm finalizing this out. So the second package would be $5,000. After you say that, you don't say a word. You stay quiet. You let them soak in it. Let them think, let them resonate. And then they talk. It's a really common thing in sales. The first one to talk after that silence is the one who ends up losing. Interesting. Right? We don't want to turn this into a win-lose, by the way. That's not the point of this. But the point here is we're getting into the uncomfortable part, right? And in reality... The goal in this is not to split the difference. Okay. We're not splitting the difference. So if they say, well, I really want to spend 2000 and you're charging 4,000. Why don't we meet at the middle at four at 3000? No. Yeah. I won't split the difference. That's Wait, not what I, I do. You know, I think we should point out that you have to have confidence and offer beforehand. Like, you know, you mentioned, mm. you mentioned when you come in to this call, like, you know, you, you, you want to be confident, but the, you have to have already told your, your, your mind. These are my packages. This is what I offer. Yep. And, it's okay if they say no, but this is what I offer. And, and if you stick to that, it, it, you'll probably close the, the job because most developers, uh, and we see this in our, in our accelerator program, our freelance accelerator yep. program, they come in and they get so nervous about the price and then the price gets lower and then they get lower and then they start muttering the words. 
But if you believe Absolutely. in your offer and you've already preached, pre-chosen it, so go into the call pre-chosen and go into the call knowing that you'll reject the client if, if it doesn't work out. And I think that's what kind of gives you like that confidence to go in and, and explain what you offer because you believe in it. This gets in kind of the last two, two variables here. Actually, last two main speaking points here, and then we'll kind of summarize this real quickly. So whenever we're getting into this part, they are going to pester you over pricing. And it's important that this is kind of like the reason why if you could tie your service to an actual revenue number that's possible, the likelihood of you being able to justify a price is much higher, right? You need some kind of justifying factor to say, listen, I know that you want something lower, but it's just not possible. And the reason why you want 100% of my work and I just can't offer anything less. I know what I'm worth, but more importantly, this is what's going to happen if we move forward. Okay. This is based off the cold, hard stats. And I would highly suggest the vast majority of you learn how to work through Google analytics, learn how to find some kind of analytics to support what you're building and things along those lines, because that's a baseline you could use to build off of what you're doing, right? That's the baseline you could use to attach yourself to the revenue of a business. So that's number one. Number two. Okay. A lot of the times people will need a moment to think about things. Now, if you give them more than 24 hours, I have found it typically does not go well. So what I would do if I'm in your situation, say, listen, I will offer you one incentive. Okay. This will be available until 11 PM central standard time tonight. Fun fact, this is what tons of people do it is an incredibly successful way to reward people for wanting to work with you. If they still need time available, that's completely fine. They could take that time. So if your package is $5,000, let's say it's $5,000, say, listen, okay, if you sign up today by 11 p.m. Central Standard Time or by the end of business day, what I will do is I will drop that price down to 4,200 or 4,250. You can lower it to whatever you want. I will say one of the things that I've had the most success with when I was freelancing, uh, I sold a $3,500 retainer, but I told them for the first three months, I would do 2,500 bucks, but they would have to make that decision today. You know, obviously you have calls scheduled, scheduled with other freelancers, but I feel that from this call, you understand exactly what our strategy is, what our game plan is, and what we're going to do to attack and move forward. So you do need to have it clear to where on yeah. that second call, you have a strategy and game plan laid out to where they can make a decision. They, they will feel com comfortable with you and say, listen, and hey, if you want to take your time and speak to everybody else, that's completely fine. But that offer will be gone at 11 p.m. Central Standard Time tonight. So really keep that yeah. in mind and hold them to that. And that is something that. Well, let me almost, point out. I want to point that out. Hone in on that for a second. It is understanding the psychology of what's going on here. Okay. This person created a proposal uh, or sorry, not a proposal. They created a project. They have a budget in their mind. So they have money to spend. Otherwise they wouldn't have created the project. So understanding that they want to make a decision. They want to move forward with somebody. They don't need more than a day to make a choice. And that's why this incentive is so good. You're, you're encouraging them to act. And if a person sits on a project for three days, they're probably never going to hire somebody like they're, they're, or they're just really not coming around. Like, so you're basically making it super easy for them to make a choice. It's, there's nothing bad or manipulative about yep. this. You're incentivizing them to do what they already were planning on doing. 
Yeah, they're already at a place in terms of when you think about the purchasing, the purchasing behaviors we have, uh, when you get to the very, very end, people are in a state of making a decision. They're opening up a Upwork proposal or whatever it is, job listing, because they need something done that they are completely aware of and they want solved. Yeah. They have a budget. And I, I think it is important as we kind of get to the very end of this here, do not be intimidated by what their budgets say. Okay, that $2,000 budget, that 15 to $20 an hour budget, I'm telling you, if you think it's a project you would crush, okay? Yeah. They are obviously, a lot of them are blatantly lying about what their actual budget is, number one. Number two, they're using that as a lever or as an anchor point to pull you down to where like, oh, you're charging $75 an hour? This project is obviously for 20. So yeah. you need to get out of here. It's not worth it. Now, I've had people who wanted to spend I believe like around 30, 40 bucks an hour for, so like a total of spending like 700 bucks a month, hire me for 3,500. I've had it happen numerous times. Now the important way that you get across that is by what I just said. In call number one, you sit down, you listen to them and you really discover what you need to know to put together a strategy. Call number two, present that strategy, paint a vision of what you will do for them and what they will receive out of that. So what that working relationship would look like, everything along those lines, cover the intrigue and like all the small things. I'll use Slack to communicate with you. I can invite you to that right now. Build all those small micro commitments too, by the way, before you get everything signed and sent over. And then just start moving forward on that immediately. I feel like it's one of the easiest, easiest, easiest ways. So I think that summarizing all that, we can finalize with one last portion, okay? Let's wrap this up. So a clear strategy to win using Upwork. This is all you have to do. Go home every single day. I don't care what time it is. Sit down, maybe throughout the day also, open up Upwork on your phone and heart and save all the projects that you like. Okay, that's your goal throughout the day. Your only job throughout the day, save all the projects that you like. And go so maybe you're working far. a full-time job or something. Look through Upwork and be your breaks. Look, look at the projects, yeah. save them for later, whatever. Not even just on your breaks. Let's be completely honest. Everybody here will be on their phone at some part throughout the day on their stuff. So save those projects. And whenever you get home, your goal is to set a minimum of 10 to 20 proposals per day. If you do that, it will maximize your at-bats. Now, one thing I do want you to do, if you want to go a step further like I did, okay, create a spreadsheet and keep track of, hey, today I sent this many proposals using this template. You want to find a template that you could follow and you could do a scientific test on of what's getting the best results. Of course, make it customizable, yeah. but you want to have something that you could have for a, a standard that you can test against for everything else. So if you're doing that and you're creating a hyper-personalized, customized video of your face talking about them and showing their proposal and maybe their, their website that it is right now, and you're giving all this feedback and things along those lines, that video doesn't need to be more yeah. than two or five minutes long. So it has a, a video in with it. Then on top of that, you're telling them, hey, also go ahead and schedule a call with me. If you're doing that every single day, 10 to 20 proposals, making them hyper-personalized, pushing people to schedule a call, you should be getting at least maybe three to five calls a week at the bare, bare, bare minimum. And you should be aiming to close at least 30 to 50% of those calls. Yeah. Well, and even if it's less than that, it, like consistency, yeah. consistency is, is king here uh, and, you'll yeah. get and you'll get better at it. And I just want to point out um, uh, to summarize as well too, uh, and, and to cover a lot of the mistakes that 
a lot of freelancers make, especially developers, is the proposal you send out is to win a phone call, not to yep. win the job. Then your first phone call I love that. is to understand the needs of the business, okay? And then the third phone call, a third step, is to present your offer. Uh, you've done your research, of course, in between, is, and this present your offer. So th there's a process here. And uh, the further you get along in that process, the better, um, it, the more likely you are to close it. So that's what I hear when I hear you talking about these things. That's beautiful. I, I actually think that's great. And you really need to approach this almost like as micro dating. You know, first things first is the handshake. Are they going to accept the handshake or tell you to leave you alone? Number two, will they allow you to talk to them? Right. And then lastly, accept to ask them on a date. Right. It's, it's following through these small little stages. Now, I will say these are kind of some fun hacks you could do. Um, I will say one thing I did, I used betterproposals.io to send out all my proposals and get everything in writing because you'll want to be protected that way. After every single call, I invited every single person to a Slack channel. <laughs> every single person I always invited to go, to go to a Slack channel. Do, if there's small, unique things you could do to build a micro commitment, those things actually yeah, add up. Cool. I'm, I'm usually not the person to say those kind of things because it's like, I don't know how true they are. Like it's hard to test that, but I found that it usually works pretty well. That's smart. That's really cool. I like that. It's the hack. It's a cool it's a hack. Yeah, yeah. Small hack. Awesome. So this is really cool. We're gonna be doing lots of these. Uh, this is some amazing stuff here. Um, and by the way, uh, Nathan works one-on-one -on -one with people all the time at DevSlubs with these things. Uh, and so this is our freelancing segment here. If you have questions specifically about freelancing, you can ask us, okay? You can join our free chat room. The link's on devslopes.com. And if you want to work with us, if you want to work uh, with Nathan in freelancing or myself, you want to, if you want to become an Android developer, iOS developer, or web developer, getting a job or becoming a freelancer, you can actually schedule a free call with us at devslopes.com forward slash book dash call. Just go guys, to devslopes.com. I, I have to emphasize this, right? Like if you're listening to this and you're in the process you kind of want to jump on the, you want to jump on the board of, Hey, you know, I want to become a developer or I wanted to become a freelancer. You are as little as three or six months away. You don't have to wait forever. Yeah. It took me from making $10 an hour at a call center, literally hating my life to in three to six months, having the money on the side to cover my rent and then having the money to cover my bills and then having yeah. the money to leave my job. It's all small, but within a three to six month period, everything can completely change. So there you have it. Uh, so come chat with us. We get, we get free uh, career advice planning calls. Uh, uh, thank you everyone for listening to us or watching us here today. This is Mark Walbeck here with DevSlopes and Nathan Savage here with DevSlopes. See you next time. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you've liked what you heard, go ahead and click that subscribe button. You'll get notified every time a new episode comes out, and it'll also help us to grow this channel. And if you'd like to learn how to code, you can always visit us at devslopes.com with our coaching and mentorship-based learning. See you next time.